You have to look at this objectively. Leave your emotions to the at the door yeah, yeah, and yeah. study your history. This is systematically done. You're listening to the Signal Man with your host, Josh Urban. Josh Urban. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Got another Grilling with Josh episode for you here. My effort to highlight views and opinions of members of our community. Sort of like getting to know our neighbors around a friendly barbecue gathering, or in this case, a podcast. The only agenda I have with these episodes is to help us all get to know each other a little better, as the division that's always existed in the world only seems to be getting worse lately. We have the power to change this, however, and by listening to this show, you're part of it. Thank you, and congratulations. My guest today is named Chester, and he's been a friend for almost 10 years we started talking about the hot-button topic of race relations during the early years of the Obama administration, and we haven't stopped since. It's a difficult subject, but friends like Chester make it easier. It was both interesting and illuminating to hear a few of his thoughts on the subject, and besides making for a great podcast episode, conversations like this help me in my own personal quest to understand where other people are coming from via in-depth conversations about the heavy stuff. I already know what I think, I want to know what the other person thinks. Without further ado, Chester. Welcome to the show, Chester. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate hope, it. Hope you're enjoying that weird seltzer. I am. <laughs> First time having it. Sounded, it's different. Something, something a little weird. So, so Chester, you are quite an eclectic fellow. You've served in the U.S. Army. Yes. You're a police officer. Yes. And your big passion is what you call African studies? Africana studies. Okay. Yeah, uh, both uh, throughout the diaspora, meaning um, whether it's on the continent of Africa, African-American history, or even uh, African uh, history throughout the, the Caribbeans. But it's all Africana studies. Nice. Nice. Well, I've you know, been following your Instagram, and it's quite, quite illuminating to see. Uh, we'll put a, a link in the show so people can follow that if they want to and sort of see... Um, to your take on things and how this is really a lot more, um, very much more foundational than we would realize, I guess is, is what mm-hmm. I'm talking. And, and one of the things, um, well, I guess, well, I have a couple of questions for you, but what's a, what's your one point that you try to get across to people? Um, from a, from a uh, historian perspective, because that's what I normally kind of look at things, um, leave your emotions at the door and be as objective as possible. And those are the two difficult things that people uh, tend to, you know, have when dealing with history. Right. They're not, they're, they're not subjective. Everyone, not everyone, a substantial amount of people that I always meet, when they study history, they always study it to try to find something to support their ideology or their, mm. or their stance on something. Whereas when I study history, I take it for what, is, for what it is, Put it in its chronological order as much as I as I possibly can, right. and understand that this by cross-checking sources, I can see that you know what I think that's genuinely correct, and mm-hmm. don't take it personal. Nice, nice. Well, well, interesting. Okay, so um, you, you've been we've been talking a lot about the African contributions to society, and there was a challenge of living in. In America right now, sort of, sort of as neighbors, but barely knowing each other. Um, what, what question I have for you? We were mentioning earlier. 
is there sort of seems to be several classes of people who look like me, and that would be white, and that would be racist, that would be the people who are indifferent, the people like me who care and who are not quite sure what to do, mm. um, how to be a better citizen. So I know I asked you this before, but I'd like, like to ask you this again. So it seems that the natural reaction for uh, somebody who wants to reach a hand out and say, okay, I see injustice in the world is either to overreact mm-hmm. and, and loudly proclaim on Facebook that they're not Nazis, which, which <laughs> I don't know how helpful that is, uh, or, and then to feel you know, a tremendous sense of guilt and, and try to overcompensate there, and that must be annoying to the people who who actually, like, there's things that can be done and they, like, get off the floor, you're not helping anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your take on how people can be better neighbors to each other? Um, Well, just to reiterate, I think that um, the primary thing you should do is is to start to understand being humanitarians. Um, I, I I can't emphasize that enough, that it is not, it is not part of our culture through, through school or just in our everyday life of being humanitarians. Everything is identified through classism or uh, social status uh, or the hues of your skin. And, and it's, it's all cultural condition because um, it's skewed, history is skewed. And that's the very important thing, the curriculum in which we are, we are often students, all of us are students of, it always paints the picture of a superiority, inferiority type of, um, you know, um, you know, thing. And so, what I can only tell people is, find empathy when it's difficult for you to find empathy. Uh, identify sympathy when you can't uh, find it at that moment, and um, and don't wait for it to always happen to you, for then you can always relate to it, because sometimes it may not happen to you that an unarmed brother or sister of yours who just happened to reach in to grab their license, get shot and killed. Right. You know, it may not happen to you, but put yourself in a position of thinking, well, that was a human being that just got shot. Yeah. D- despite uh, environment at times. Right. I'm not justifying all of it. I'm just, I'm not, and I'm not demonizing all of it. It's a very job, to, hard job to do. But um, you you got to start looking at it objectively. Well, and even even if if people say, well, you know, they had it coming. Well, even if if somebody did have it coming, whatever that means, it's, it's still really sad. And I I, th- I like your thing about sympathy. Well, th- what that means, it had it coming. You've already had a preconceived notion that because you're in a certain part of town and you're dealing with a group, a certain group of people, mm. that they're all criminals. See, mm. that's cultural conditioning. Mm. That is your subconscious racism or bigotry. I usually, I usually like to use bigotry more so than racism because most people don't have the power to be racist. You can't control my destiny. Right. The government may, you know, obviously has some sort of control of how I go about in my daily life. That's systematic racism. Right. But right. the average person around here is just either a bigot or prejudice. Mm, okay. I can live with those titles more or just completely yeah. ignorant. Right. Yeah. Well, so... Um, well, this gets into into the question when we're setting this interview up. I said, um, I said, oh, you know, Chester, this is going to be awesome because you are both an Army veteran, mm-hmm. police officer, mm-hmm. and a historian. 
What is your take on the NFL anthem protests? Because you seem to represent all sides there. Well, I I found it to just be another game um, being played by those who have this has a difficult idea of seeing um, someone like Kaepernick say, no, I don't like the way people are being mistreated. Because the majority of the people who come to the game or are a fan of the game, they have this idea that just, you're getting paid to play the game, shut up and play the game. Mm. And it just puts me in mind of how, that's how people felt about Muhammad Ali, but now mm. he's, <laughs> he's a martyr. Right. for standing up for what he believed. It is very hypocritical for someone to demonize um, anyone of, the, of this society to have a stance on an issue all because they have uh, because they have a particular job such as an athlete. Hmm. Um, I think that's ignorant within itself. So what you're telling me because someone is athletically gifted that they shouldn't have a they either mindless or don't have a or shouldn't have an opinion about something at all. That's absolutely um, that's absolutely foolish on their behalf. But to answer your question, um, I thought that the uh, what he did was correct. I stand by him, and I did serve this this uh, this this country. I, I've got two tours under under my belt um, at the Persian Gulf. Um, I have uh, 19, almost 20 years of law enforcement. Uh, under my belt, and I still see that he, as a citizen, seeing what's being done to uh, to, to to a group of people, uh, he has a right to to stand up and say I, I don't agree with it. Um, and and let me give you a little friendly reminder too. Francis Scott Key was a racist slave owner who was good friends of Thomas Jefferson and him. Okay, so <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, don't try to play as though he wrote that song with every intent of. You know, thinking of everyone in in kind in kind means in 1776, anyone of African descent was still being slaves and picking cotton. Okay, right, right. So, if that's the hypocrisy that I'm pointing out, if everything if everyone was so equal and you're so patriotic, then you would see the conflict in that idea that a, a song was written by a racist who owned slaves. Fast forward, you know. 300 years later, you know, someone is, is pointing out the fact that what you're still doing 300 years later is still incorrect. Interesting. Interesting. Now, okay, so so from a journalistic standpoint here, I've seen a lot of people uh, um, who seem to be take issue with the fact that, well, this seems to be a particularly prickly one because we have views expressed by yourself and then people who seem to be offended on a completely different thing and don't even seem to take that into account um, mm -hmm. of, of that it's disrespectful to people who have died in the military and, <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with that and they feel that that's taking a I'm not saying that's my view I'm just, just asking the, the question of, the, sure. of that because I see I see people arguing about this, and I see people even arguing about not even if something is is six or it's nine, but if it's if it's six or if it's a. If that makes any sense. No, it does. But then I would ask those people, have you? Um, I make sure this is still working. It's still working. Okay, yes. I would I would ask those very same people, how many of you have even served this country? And not to say that because you didn't mm -hmm. serve doesn't mean you're less American. That's not my mm -hmm. point. Please don't misunderstand mm -hmm. it. What I'm getting at is is that. 
you can't always try to, to define what's what's patriotism mm. because some 30, 40 years ago, football players was in the locker room when the anthem was being played. So ask yourself this, this is a rhetorical question, but ask yourself, when did all of a sudden it became important to stand in front of the, uh, before the anthem at a football event? It, it's, it kind of reminds me of separating church and state. Mm. So, so now you're going to infuse patriotism in sport events, mm. but the, but, but the people who are in the sporting event has no say on how they're treated as citizens. Mm. This is, you've got to be objective in this. Right. The NFL is 70 plus percent African-American, but yet you don't have any you don't have but no black owners. Why don't you protest that? Why don't you protest the fact that here you have a league who has truly systematically um, controlled the narrative in the sense that you can't say and do anything unless I tell you to because I pay you. Mm. That is taking away your privilege as a citizen in the United States on his own. Right. Protest that. You see? Right. So this whole idea, this whole propaganda about their, their, their um, you know, uh, desecrating those who have given their lives for this country, uh, I'm going to respectfully disagree with that cool. because... Now you are sympathizing for those who spend some time in the service, but you also tell them, but at the same token, those who are being shot unarmed mm. on a regular basis mean nothing to you. Mm. Interesting. Well, yeah, thanks. And that's, I'm trying to get your opinion here. So well, that uh, follow-up question with that, that leads into the next part about uh, your opinion as a police officer and, and the people uh, who are unfortunately so tragically being killed mm -hmm. with that. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on that, if you had wanted to share any? Um, well, I've had many close calls, both losing my life and taking some. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a premeditated thought in, in, in when I put that uniform on. I don't have a premeditated thought of taking life. Mm -hmm. I have a premeditated thought of how can I make the community better in which I'm policing. Um, it is counterproductive to go in to to not bring something to it. Right. You see? But be mindful. Everyone's community has uh, some sort of deprivation, if you will, or, or, uh, or, or a social issue. What's going on in, her, in some of the urban cities in America is no different than some of the rural places in, uh, in America. It's poverty. Mm. And, and that cultural condition is always identifying anyone who's in the inner cities of America should is de is deserving to get what they what they're getting with law enforcement. Mm. You can't do that. Mm. No different than if you go to West Virginia, you see the issues out there with the whether it's alcoholism or uh, well, sexual offenses right. and and other violent mm. crimes. There's still human beings that are going through issues in our society. You have to be more sympathetic and empathetic. And that's truly the problem of, uh, of our people in this country, I think. Interesting. So when I'm in, when I go in, I police my community, uh, I am going with every intent to make sure that I bring something good to the community uh, that wasn't there before. That's wonderful. And, and that's just me just being a human being. So, so it sounds like um, a theme 
that you're, you're mentioning, and you said it's a theme that you mentioned, it is empathy and sympathy uh, for one another as human beings is really a, a huge component missing and an answer to a lot of our problems. Is it, would you agree with that? Yes, yes. But I also think people need to become more students of how we got here. Mm. Um, the inner city wasn't always this way. I mean, and prior to the African-Americans coming into the inner city, you had uh, ghettos of the, of the Jews and the Irish and the um, Anglo-Saxons and the Italians and, and all these other people. The, the ghetto just didn't come about soon as Africans were starting to migrate from the south up north. And even when they did, they started to develop their... Um, their cities right here in Shaw neighborhood in Washington DC uh, that was predominantly black for newly freed Africans uh, they built that community built it up well and it was flourishing no different than Black Wall Street in Oklahoma no different than uh, Harlem up in New York with Philip Randolph um, you know putting money together to to uh, build um, Harlem and, uh, and and flourish but each time you know in Philadelphia and various other cities but each time they did so, the very same people who did not want you to uh, to flourish at all, the moment that you were doing well and building your communities, they came and found reason to destroy it. Mm -hmm. So what do you want? You, you, you tell the people that you don't want to be bothered with them, and they go on their own and they build and they grow, and then when they build and they grow and now flourish you, you see, then all of a sudden uh, uh, jealousy uh, keeps in right. and you destroy it. Mm. What do you want? You right. can't have your cake and eat it too. Right. And so systematically... The, the, the country begins developing legislations and all these other bylaws, and, and companies start moving out of the communities. Um, you start uh, gerrymandering and all of these things, and now you're having a group of people who's, who's being choked out of the work system, unions being one of the examples, um, where they could not get any employment. Mm. You have to look at this objectively. Leave your emotions to the at the door yeah, yeah, and study yeah. your history. This is systematically done. Right, right. You know, you've got a group of people that built a country. 400 years of it. They just didn't turn lazy and shiftless all of a sudden. There was no drug problems up until the 50s and 60s, really into the late 70s, when Nixon started coming up with an idea of, of putting um, drugs into the black communities. And then Reagan takes it to the next level. You see, there wasn't no such thing as marijuana in some sort of in in some of the parts of the Caribbean, like Haiti, until the 70s and 80s. Wow. But people don't know that because they're not they're studying one perspective of history. Your government is manipulating you. The government that I work for is not angelic. They're wrong in many of their uh, historical events. Interesting. Wow. So we're okay. So now we, us listeners, we wanna just. We don't want to just, you know, say, oh, oh, no, this is bad. You know, like I mentioned, the, the, the class of me who was, a, who was just over, racked with guilt and was like, what can I do? So what can we do? How can we start educating ourselves? Where's a good place to start? How can we not only build some of this compassion and some of this empathy for things that might not be happening to us? It might be invisible to us. But how can we start to learn about this so it's less invisible? Well, I think one is, I think guilt is kind of like, it's, it's a good and bad word in the sense that we're not a, a rejected project that, that someone put together and didn't work out well. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we, the, the, the community, let's say specifically of the, of, of the African-American community, is not someone who's looking for, so, for, for guilt because we are too uh, victims of some of our own circumstances. I'm 
make no mistakes about it, we've got issues in our communities internally, mm. like many others do, right? And people are people. As people are yeah. people. What I always recommend someone is begin at home understanding circumstances. Start noticing the greatness and the achievements of African Americans mm. uh, historically. You see, uh, prime example, let's say, uh, how many people know about Garrett Morgan? There was no, there's never such thing as traffic lights or gas mask until he creates it. Wow. Dr. Charles um, R. Drew, dealing with the blood plasma right here from Washington, D.C. I mean, there are so many inventions that was given. All my records. All your records, yeah. absolutely. Right. There are so many achievements. You're working, you, you're focusing on the negatives all the time got to start also looking at the pluses too, the achievements and, and, and understand that our government is failing all of us because we're victims of the same circumstances. Capitalism breeds off of racism and ignorance, you see? And if you continue to, to, to intertwine yourself in that, you're going to keep looking at a group of people a certain way. To answer your question more directly, is what we're doing now. We're talking. Hmm. We're beginning a dialogue of what are some of the issues? What are the pros and cons? What can we do in our communities as far as organizations? Don't just gentrify, push somebody out and take over and say, ah, you know what I mean? We got a spot that we wanted. No. Help people build their communities. And when they do build their communities, let them flourish and let them contribute to society. Interesting. And, yeah, and makes the, sense. And those are some of the things that you can start doing. Awesome. Chester, thank you so much. Do you have anything else to add? We'll definitely have you back to talk about some more of these important social issues facing our times. We need some, some good stirring news and music <laughs> in the back. But anything else that you'd like to finish with? Anything you'd like to add? No, I just want to just thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm always thankful to the ancestors, man, and, and just giving me opportunities to always just be a good human being and, and carry on their lineage. But just thank your, uh, your listeners and, and just really um, take time out and think about what I just said. I love to hear from anyone. Um, I'm, my my uh, Instagram page is Dark Warrior Perspective. I, uh, I also have a YouTube page I post on there where I do uh, videos of uh, of African American history. Awesome. Whether it's the story of um, you know black jockeys of some sort. Uh, people don't know about the uh, black jockeys uh, up in Nova Scotia. Uh, the Color League is what they call okay. it. It was a hundred years. I mean. Uh, um, it's about 30 to 40 years before the NHL. Wow. But I'm going on a rant. The point is, is that be a good human being, come together and start having a dialogue, and start really being a student to everyone else's history besides your own. And, and I think if you do that, I think you do well. Awesome. Chester, thank you so much. Oh, you're more than welcome, my man. Appreciate All right. you. You've been listening to The Signal Man Show. I'm your host, Josh Urban, and we're broadcasting every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoundCloud, iTunes, and everywhere fine podcasts are found. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. And hey, during season two, try to get more people involved with this. So drop me a line at joshjoshurban.com or tweet at me at don'tjoshme. You can have a, a story, a question, a hello, a shout out to Aunt Margaret, or a good deed that you saw or that you did. doesn't matter. It's so nice that you're here, so keep it fresh, keep it funky, keep it real, and I will catch you on the flip side. See you next time.